All right, good deal. We ready? Let me open some word of prayer, and we will uh, we'll jump in. Lord, thanks for today, for our time together, for this discussion. Lord, pray that uh, that the words we say and the things that we think about and discuss would be uh, building up to the body and not tearing down. So, Lord, we thank you for that, and thank you for today. In Christ's name, amen. Okay, so uh, we were talking last, we've been talking about Revelation, Daniel, and then somehow it just, something came up about the Holy Spirit, and so we decided for a week we would at least talk about the Holy Spirit for a week, okay? Y'all can't hear, you can put seats up front or raise your hand and tell me. You yeah, hear. if you can't hear, then listen harder. <laughs> <laughs> listen. Turn, turn your ear, ear piece up. You know how you do it, Mike? And you have one of those? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I noticed that you used to wear a, a, an earpiece, but now you you quit. Is that because you got you just? I have a I have a student. Yeah, I have a student who came um, out to the to the ranch a few weeks ago, maybe a month ago. It's been about a month or something. Anyway, um, and so she had two little boys there and talking, and so I was asking questions of this little boy, and and he just quit answering. And his mom said, "You need to answer when he asks you a question." He says. I'm tired of hearing things. <laughs> I know exactly that. <laughs> so I said, I'm going to steal that, and I'm going to say that. So I've said it like three or four times in class. You know, soon I'll be asking questions, a redundant question or something. I'll just go. I just look at it and make a one. I go, I'm tired of hearing things. <laughs> I'm tired of hearing things. So I identify, Mike. I identify. Okay. Uh, Holy Spirit. Let me uh, let me start us with uh, let me show you uh, a quote. I want you to think about this quote. Okay, let's see here. This is uh, I heard this um, for semester after semester after semester after semester at the seminary. We took nine theology courses, nine systematic theology courses. Three of them were, two of them were church history courses. And Dr. Bingham would say this at least once a day, at least. And usually if someone asked a question, well, what about this? He'd say, if what you believe doesn't apply to every believer in every time, in every place, then it's something but it's not Christian. Right? So I want, I want us to frame our discussion around that. Does that, does that make sense to us? Because what happens is um, um, we, we either are totally unaware or we've never even thought about the fact that things were not always the way they are now. Um, case in point. Let's see here. Where's my, this thing? So here's what I want us to do. All right, so just play along, okay? I want you to take your phone uh, that you've got, and I want you to just set it aside. I, I was going to have you come up, just put them over there on the table, right? I know that would be very distressful. For, for the younger you are, the more distressing it would be. Mike, you probably don't even have your phone with you, do you? Yes, I do. Do you? Okay. 
So I want you to at least mentally, it will not be near as effective as physically doing it. But I want you to take this thing and I want you to put a little on the table. It doesn't exist. 19, um, before, uh, take the, forget the telephone. Get rid of it. No telephones. Um, uh, and I want, to, want us to go back into church history a little bit, right? I want you to take your Bibles. I'll put, put them on the ground. Put them on the floor. Get rid of them. Get rid of your Bibles. There are no Bibles, okay? Uh, there is no printing press. There's no Bibles, okay? Let's go back a little earlier. Um, not only are there no Bibles, there are no translations of the Bible. So, so let's get rid of these translation things. Um, there are uh, there are no verses, right? There are no chapters and verses. Let's get rid of chapters and verses. There. There are no notes. Let's get rid of those. Let's get rid of all this. We don't need to ignore this. None of that, right? Um, there are no libraries. No libraries. Vatican Library has 1.2 million theological books. 1.1 million books. And then you start counting the, the codices. These are 75,000 early uh, books. Uh, and uh, then all the pamphlets. And that doesn't count journal articles. That doesn't count any of that stuff. I mean, we're talking about get rid of it all. All of it. Get rid of it. You're hanging up on the WebEx? WebEx, get rid of WebEx, get rid of internet, get rid of all of it, okay? Um, you have uh, a text. Let's see if, let me pull this up on the internet. Let me see if I can find it. We have um, exactly one of these. This is the Leningrad Codex. Um, it dates to 1008 AD. Right? So before this, uh, you had copies of Hebrew manuscripts, most of which have now gone. They're, they're, they're gone. So um, you didn't have your own Bible. Nobody did. It certainly wasn't translated. You couldn't go to the local church and check out the library book. There was nothing. Um, most churches didn't have all of the scriptures. They had some. Early in the church, first century, second century, the church uh, begins to compile a list of what things the church is going to regard as authoritative. Um, they had the Hebrew scriptures. Hebrew manuscripts that 
that the uh, the Jews recognized, and that was it. And there was uh, Paul's some of Paul's writings, and the church began to collect Paul's writings and all this. Now remember, the Holy Spirit is at work. Okay, but you don't have a Bible. So let's say that we're first century, in the first century, early second century believers. You have no Bible. Um, you couldn't read it if you had it. At least the Old Testament. Okay? How does that affect your understanding of the Holy Spirit? If what you believe does not apply to every believer in every place, in every time, then it's something, but it's not Christian. <clears throat> no quiet times, no personal Bible studies, certainly not a, quote, Bible study that didn't have anything to do with the Bible. Where would you go? Okay. Uh, I said, I, I think that the Holy Spirit would still have to draw within me something to seek truth. Okay, we'll talk about that. Yeah, we'll talk about that. So, uh, so how does this work? Let's go back to the Old Testament. Okay. Old Testament times, Old Testament Israel. Was the Holy Spirit, the Spirit still in existence? Yes. The Holy Spirit's there from the beginning. What was the Holy Spirit doing in the Old Testament? Of course, you wouldn't know any of this. Because you're some Gentile know-nothing. Somebody showed up and said something about Jesus, and you went, um, for some reason, that seems to make sense. And so you have no idea what they're talking about. But you believed in you placed your eternal hope in a Jewish king of a nation that does not exist. And people claim that this king, who actually has not even had a kingdom yet, he's going away to receive his kingdom, but identified as the king. That's what they say. don't know what that means. Um, and they say that he was raised from the dead and he's returning. And this makes sense to you. You ask why? I have no idea. You don't know Bereshit? Uh, beginning. That would be uh, Genesis. You don't, know, you don't know anything about Bereshit. You don't know anything about... Uh, the, the names, Exodus, uh, you don't know anything about anything. Nothing. But you were convicted of your sin and somehow believed that Jesus is going to fix that problem. And that's about it. No personal Bibles, no personal quiet time. No, none of that. None of it. Okay. Um, in my personal library, I've got about, I don't know, 
between um, what's on the shelf uh, and and what's in my digital library, six, seven thousand volumes. That's a decent size, but that's nothing. All those books are gone. Okay, um, books like this by John Walford. No, no, none of this. Right? Um, where do you go to learn? Your second century believer. Where do you go? What do you do? Okay. Pass down to who? So you had to go to church. Now, church. Let's let's define that term. The gathering of believers. Where what happened? Where the word was taught. Well, okay, well, what had to be there for the word to be taught? Someone had to know it and be able to read it. By the way, you're illiterate, Mr. Second Century Believer. All right, so not only can you not read English, you certainly can't read that or whatever language that your little Gentile lost soul was in before you came to faith. You were over there believing in rocks and sticks and frogs and Zeus or whatever you had going. You don't know anything. And so the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament was working through the prophets to reveal the word of the Lord for whose benefit? For just the prophet? No, not just the prophet. No, so the revelation came through the Old Testament prophet. For whose benefit? Which people? The Jews. Israel. The Jews. And then what was Israel supposed to do with the word? Supposed to share it with the world. And in so doing, be a blessing to the nation. What you're saying has just opened up my mind. What I've read where the prophets read Israelites, the Israelites all of a sudden stricken. Yes. Because they didn't know because they could you know, we don't think about it. No, you don't. No, you don't. And and so so the so in uh, Nehemiah chapter eight, little story in Old Testament, Nehemiah chapter eight, Israel's uh rebelled, can kicked out of the land, brought back. Uh, they're kicked out of the land, so they're hauled off to the nations, and some of them come back from Babylon. And now the, the lingua franca, the language of the day is Aramaic, not Hebrew, right? Um, and they're different. They're so different that even if you knew Hebrew, you couldn't read most of Aramaic. It's kind of like uh, last night we were at dinner, and uh, Jesse was talking about when he went uh, to Gloria's relatives, house uh, in uh, in Mexico, and he's over there jabbering his uh, Spanglish or <laughs> whatever he's got, his Tex-Mex, and they're laughing at it. They don't know what he's talking about, right? What's worse than that? And so, um, so Ezra the priest uh, builds a podium and stands before the people, and he translates the word, reading it, making sense of it, so that they understood what was being said. And their response was repentance. 
components. Now, in the Old Testament, Israel had the law. Okay? Um, Paul explains, it, it's not true because Paul said it. Nothing in the New Testament is true because the apostle says it. The apostle says it because it's true. It just explains what is. And so Paul explains to the Galatians um, that in the Old Testament, the law was added because of transgression. Okay? So in the Old Testament, the way that the Jew recognized his sin was because um, it was taught, the law was taught in the synagogue. Uh, synagogue, what is that word? Um, that's a that's a Septuagint word. That's a Greek word. The Hebrew word would be kohel. Kohel or adah, either one. Um, it would be translated as congregation. Okay? Gathering of the people. Um, Song of Solomon, not Song of Solomon, Ecclesiastes. The book of Ecclesiastes in Hebrew is called Kohelet. Uh, the preacher. The preacher says. That's how the beginning of the of Ecclesiastes begins, right? The preacher, the, the Kohelet, he, te he, he teaches, he, he uh, explains to the Kohel, to the assembly. The word assembly would be translated one of two ways. Kohel would be translated one of two ways in the Old Testament, either synagogue or ecclesia, which we would translate into English as church. church. So the body came together, Israel came together, and the law was read. And uh, Israel recognized their sinfulness through the teaching of the law and their need for mercy. And, and so it was to recognize that they had been given mercy, and so it was to drive them to love the Lord their God with all of their heart and with all of their soul and with all of their might. And since they've been given mercy and God has loved them, then they were to do what? Give mercy, love their neighbor, brother as themselves. This was the function of the law, Old Testament. How'd the law do? Did it achieve its goal? It failed. Why did it fail? Because the law failed because um, um, because Israel was hard-hearted, stiff-necked people. And so the promise, so Israel rejects the Lord, kicked out of the land, brought back to the land, the law is read to them again, it still doesn't work. Problem isn't with the law. Uh, the law is perfect. Psalm 19, uh, the psalmist says it, it, is, it gives light to the eyes, it restores the soul. Problem isn't with the law. The problem is with their hearts. And so the promise is given to Israel in the Old Testament in several passages. Ezekiel 36, Jeremiah 31, uh, Joel chapter 2, that Israel uh, would uh, be given a new heart and a new spirit. A new heart, a changed heart, not like a heart of stone, which they had, but a heart of flesh, and a new spirit. And the ministry of that spirit would write the law on their hearts. 
to keep the commands. Right? Israel rejects the Lord, New Testament. Gospel goes out to the Gentiles, and they receive the Holy Spirit of promise. Holy Spirit promised to who? To the Jews. Yeah, yeah, new spirit. The Holy Spirit is promised to Israel um, to give them a new heart so that they would do the commands. Can you sum up the commands for me? And love your... And this was the whole purpose of the law. Yes? Do Gentiles have the law? They don't. You believe the okay. You're you're still now. You're a second century um, Gentile believer. You didn't have a law. You don't even know what the law is. And Paul writes to the Romans, the Gentiles who do not have the law do instinctively the things of the law. These not having the law become a law unto themselves in that they show the words of the law written on their hearts. So the ministry of the Spirit in the believer is to convict the believer of sin and to convince the believer that Jesus is the Christ for the purpose of causing you to do what? Love the Lord your God with all of your and love your neighbor as yourself. And where the law fails to do, the, the Spirit is succeeding. Does that make sense? Okay, now. Here's the problem. You got a bunch of Gentiles. They don't know anything. All right. So one of the, the key teachings throughout the history of the church has been believers, Gentiles, begin by faith. You have faith, seeking understanding. When you um, believed in Christ, what did you believe? Yeah, basically that's it. You're going, um, <laughs> I had a, uh, my evangelism professor, the best gospel presentation that I've ever seen was without words. You went like this, he went. Here's the standard. And here you are. You care to explain that? How are you planning on getting there? And this is what you believe. That God's righteous standard exceeded your ability to achieve it. And you're, you're convicted of your sin by the Holy Spirit and you looked at that and you went, Jesus. Did you uh, believe in hypostatic union? No clue. I, I still don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> fully God, fully man, hypostatic union. Did you believe in uh, that Christ was fully God, fully man, fully divine? Did you? Uh, we didn't have the Apostles' Creed. We're, you know, this is before the Apostles' Creed. This is before the Nicene Creed. We don't have any creeds. We don't know what we're. We're just trying to figure it out. 
And so we began by faith. Faith from yourself? No. It was the ministry of the Spirit that convinced you, convicted you of your sin. And somehow, through the miracle work of the Spirit, you said, Jesus is the solution. What does that mean? I have no idea. Jesus Christ. I don't even know what Christ means. I have seminary students who've been studying the Bible for years and years. They can't tell me anything about the gospel. What do you have to believe to be saved? They start this list. I'm going, you can't even explain what you're saying. You don't even know what you're talking about. I have seminary graduates that can't explain. I can't explain it. Hypostatic union? Are you kidding me? James, when he was little, he asked and he said, Papa, Jesus is God, right? Yeah. But he's a man. Yeah. How's that work? I don't know, son. Hypostatic union. Go to sleep. <laughs> Somehow, Christ is fully God, fully man, by the way, those are mutually exclusive because man is finite. So he took on humanity. He took on flesh. I don't know. If you figure that one out, we'd all love to hear it. And you can write another book. So now it'll be 1.2 million and one books <laughs> in the Vatican <laughs> library, right? So what is the ministry of the Spirit doing? Well, it's convicting of sin. It's convincing you that Jesus is the Christ. Um, it is, uh, Paul's going to write, seals the believer. Do you feel sealed? I don't know, it depends on the day. I don't even know what it means. Do you know what it means? You have the guarantee of eternal life through the Holy Spirit that indwells you. How do you know you have the Holy Spirit? Maybe. I know believers who are doing, they're wrecking churches and they don't feel any shame about it. Well, I don't doubt that they're not believers. In in 1 John chapter 4, John writes to believers to uh, explain to them how they will know that they have eternal life. These things I have written to you who believe, so that you may know that you have eternal life. Because apparently, it's not a feeling. It's not a warm, burning ember. Sometimes it sounds like heartburn. Pepperoni pizza. It's, it's not that. What is it? So John tells them to test the spirits. Every spirit that does not confess Jesus as coming in the flesh, Jesus the Christ as coming in the flesh, is not from God. And every spirit that does is from God. How do you know you have the spirit? Well, if I ask you, are you saved? I don't even know what that... Saved from what? I don't know. It's what we say at the church. Right? 
What are you saved from? You're saved from hell. You're not saved from hell. That's where you'll end up, but you're not saved from hell. You're saved from the wrath of God. Poured out through his son. So you're saved from Jesus is what you're saved from. The wrath of God poured out through Christ. You have placed your faith in him. You have taken refuge in him. That doesn't happen without the Holy Spirit's moving, convicting of sin, and convincing you that Jesus is the Christ. Why not? What else did you have? You didn't have, nothing else was leading you to Christ. You didn't have the law. You didn't have the Old Testament. You still don't know the law of the Old Testament story. What are you talking about? We're a bunch of Gentiles. We're clueless. Um, read the law. Why? Because that's the whole key to read and understand the scriptures. Really? Yeah. Well, I guess I need to read that part. How are you a believer? Paul says to the Galatians that the law was given to convict the Jew of sin to lead him to Christ. You didn't have the law. How did you believe in Jesus, Spirit? The fact that you have placed your faith in Christ tells me all I need to know. You are in the ecclesia. You are in the body of Christ through faith. Now the Spirit of God dwells in the body of Christ of which you are a member. And therefore you are outside of the body convicted of sin through faith you have now been baptized into one body through one spirit. Does that make sense? You've been baptized in the spirit. You didn't have it, now you have it. Now you're in the body. For what purpose are you in the body? Um, Paul's going to write to explain this to the New Testament Gentile believers who don't know anything. He's going to give them the command. It's a passive. You know what I mean by passive? Does that make sense? Passive imperative? Yeah, me neither. Yeah. <laughs> An imperative is what you say to your dog. Sit. Roll over. Play dead. Shake hands. All right. Um, passive is be caused to sit down. How do you give a, your dog the command, be caused to sit down? You're going, dog's going, is that something I'm doing or something's going to come make me sit down? What's going on? It's a passive imperative. It makes no sense. It makes absolutely no sense. You can't give a passive imperative. Mike, drive the truck. Mike, uh, be driven the truck. I, I don't know how to say it. But this is what Paul says. To the Ephesians 5.18. He actually explains it for five chapters. He explains that uh, the Christ is the head of the body. The church is the body. And the church, the body, is the fullness of Christ. I'm going, what? The body is the fullness of Christ? I'm not sure I know what that means. And he's going to explain that all things have been given to Christ and to the body. And then there's this little 
goofy phrase that's really not translated well, because I don't know how you would translate it. But for, turn over, okay, pick your Bibles up off the floor <laughs> or get your phones back out. Since now, um, now before we open our Bibles, let me, let me talk for just a minute. Okay, so Katie, don't let me lose my spot. I want to come back to you. How much of the, you didn't translate that. You couldn't, you couldn't do chicken. I like that. You couldn't do chicken. Okay. Uh, let me talk about, uh, for just a second, what you're holding in your hands. Back to this. You do have the Holy Spirit, don't you? Haven't you been told that the Holy Spirit will guide you in all truth? Your little Presbyterian, bless your heart, soul has heard that. Your little Protestant soul has heard that your, heard that your whole life. Okay? I say, okay, go. <laughs> Come on. Coach me up. So I can't do that. What do you mean your Holy Spirit doesn't know Hebrew? You know in that Old Testament manuscript there are 3,800 words that are only used once. Once. In the whole Bible. There's no Hebrews, Webster's Dictionary. There's no Google search. Definition of none of that. Can't do any of that. So what do you do? Well, bless these people's hearts. There are some people who are a gift to the body of Christ who go into... They go dig in the dirt in all these far off places in hopes of finding something written. And they dig it up and they brush it off and they go and they learn Akkadian or Ugaritic or Syriac or Coptic or um, Egyptian hieroglyph or whatever, or any of these uh, Moabite, Edomite, Ammonite, any of these Semitic languages, searching for any manuscript that has this word to see if they can figure out what it might mean in that context so that they could they'll, some, some of these people will devote their whole lives to um, discovering or helping the church understand the meaning of two or three words two or three words Now, how does that get into your Bible? Well, then the translators use the work of these people. Endless hours of digging in the dirt with little utensils because they don't want to mess stuff up. Following um, common accepted practices uh, for centuries now. Trying to preserve and protect so that somebody else can spend a lifetime learning Ugaritic or Akkadian uh, to read a text to help us with one word so that it's translated out of uh, Ugaritic 
understood in the Hebrew scriptures and then translated into your um, message or New Living Translation, and you hold this ridiculous view that just because you have the Holy Spirit, that's all you need. You didn't translate anything. I didn't translate anything. These are faithful people through the history of the church who've helped us understand the scriptures. Little bit by little bit. Right? So that we may come to know what this God is doing and how he's doing it in history. As revealed in the Holy Scriptures through the words of his apostles and prophets. Because there is nowhere that you can go. Nowhere. Where you can learn about God the Father, Christ his Son, or the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit, God's plan, purposes, guiding of history, nothing. You can't learn about the church. You can't learn about salvation. You can't learn about uh, angels or demons or um, anything, nothing. You got nothing without the Holy Spirit working through the apostles and prophets to write these things down. Period. No amount of quiet time or prayer or whatever. God has revealed himself to the prophets and, and the apostles in the scriptures. And that's the only place you can go. It's the only place we can go. And so Christ, through the ministry of the Spirit, gave gifts to his body, the church. Some very specific and particular. He gave some as apostles and some as prophets so that the body of Christ would know the word of the Lord. And some as pastors to shepherd the flock, to protect the flock, to keep them from false teachers and false teaching. Because of the 1.2 million books in the Vatican Library, probably about 1.2 million of them have garbage in them. There's only 66 books that matter. 66 books that communicate truth. 1.19 whatever million books that say a bunch of stuff. But if you want to learn truth, you've got to read 66 books. And that's it. Some as apostles and some as prophets. Some as pastors. To protect the church from false teachers. And Paul's going to tell Timothy, these words which you've heard from me in the presence of many witnesses. Paul the apostle has taught Timothy these words. And he wants Timothy to teach the faithful men who are able to teach others and to appoint elders who will protect the teaching. The teaching of the apostles and prophets. So he gave some as apostles and some as prophets and some as pastors and some as teachers and some as evangelists. Why evangelists? Well, see, because you don't know anything. 
You know the law. And how will they believe? They don't hear. And how will they hear? If there's no evangelist, if there's no preacher. And so the ministry of the Spirit comes along with the words of the gospel as proclaimed by the evangelist to convict you of your sin and convince you that Jesus is Christ. And so the way that we, the body of Christ, are going to come to know about God the Father, His Son, the Holy Spirit, is through His Word, delivered by the apostles and prophets, taught faithfully, hopefully, through the ages, handed down by pastors and teachers, proclaimed by evangelists, for the building up of the body. This is why these five um, uh, gifts were given, apostles, prophets, pastors, and teachers, and evangelists, so that the body of Christ would be built up. Um, for the building up of the body of Christ, for works of service, until we all attain the unity of the faith to the mature man. Mature man. Uh, that uh, Christ is the bridegroom and the bride of Christ the body of Christ, the church. So the church, the body, is in the process of being made full. The fullness of him, he who fills all in all, or all in all being filled. How is the church being filled? By learning what? By studying 1.2 million books, that have nothing to do with the 66, or at least limited. People say, well, you need to write a book. I'm going, yeah, so we can have another one? I don't think we do. I've frankly had my belly full of the church not learning the 66 books and reading a bunch of other garbage that may or may not be helpful. And, the, and if it is helpful, the only reason it is helpful is because it corresponds and agrees with the 66 books. So maybe we ought to spend our time learning 66 books and not reading 1.2 million books that may or may not have any correlation to the 66. I'm just thinking out loud here. Tracking? So the way that the church is filled with the Spirit, it's filled with the ministry of the Spirit. How does the church come to know the, because the apostles and prophets and pastors and teachers, evangelists, gifts to the body of Christ through the giftedness of the Spirit are working so that the other members of the body, that's how the, Paul talks about it, will be built up to works of service. You understand, um, to love the Lord your God and to love your brother as yourself. Some of you have the gift of giving. Others, mercy. Others, administration. Others, you know, maybe it's not pastor, teacher, evangelist, apostle, prophet. But to each one, a measure of Christ's gift has been given for the building up of the body. 
So if your understanding of the Holy Spirit is your little, little personal walk and your little personal faith and your little personal this, that, and the other thing, it's something. It's not Christian. If what you believe doesn't apply to every believer in every place, in every time, then it's something, but it's not Christian. So you are baptized into one body, through one faith, through one spirit. Uh, Christ's uh, desire and Paul's then prayer for the Ephesians and desire for the Ephesians and desire for us is that we would be filled with the ministry of the Spirit, filled with the Spirit to a mature man so that we, we would all understand who we are and why we're in the body of Christ. His prayer, his exhortation is not to grieve the Spirit. That would be to bring divisions in the body, to tear down the body. So he's going to write to the Corinthians. This is why some of you are sick and some of you sleep. Because there's divisions in the body. You grieve the Holy Spirit. It is his role, but it is only partly the ministry of the Spirit. If you see your brother in sin, what do you do? You pray that the Holy Spirit would convict him. No, you go to him. Why be why not be harsh but be loving? There you go, because the Lord loved you and you're to love your brother. So you desire what's best for him, her. You don't need the law for this. If you're looking out for your brother, for your sister in Christ, and you see them in sin or in error, you go get them. Why? Because you want what's best for them. This is not hard. What if they reject you? Yeah. You take two or three. Why? Because we're going to beat him to death with numbers. No. Because, yeah, if he rejects you, then take it to the elders. Why? Because our goal is to restore this one. And if he rejects the church, then, then you say, Holy Spirit, get him. And that's not going to go well. This is why some of you are sick and some of you sleep. Paul says, I've turned him over to the destruction of the flesh. Turned him over to Satan for the destruction of the flesh. So that his soul may be saved. So, so all this is to get him to do what? So if we do not um, care for each other enough to confront with sin, then we're going to blow right past all that and um, 
you're going to go right to the Spirit's judgment, Spirit's conviction, and judgment in the flesh, and that you don't want you don't go down the So the Holy Spirit's job is there. That's the last result. That makes sense. Oh yeah, so so back to so Ephesians, right? As well, so we kind of talked about this, right? So so the so Paul is going to talk about uh, um, not grieving the Spirit in Ephesians and being filled with the Spirit in, in Ephesians because his desire is for the body of Christ to be built up to understand what is the hope of his calling, right? Um, uh, the greatness of the inheritance that is for all the saints. And the Gentiles who do not know any of this, now through uh, the words of the apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, and evangelists, will be brought up to speed with the other saints, other saints. Who would be the saints that do know? Like Paul. Like the Jewish remnant who knew the Old Testament scriptures. And that's his prayer for them. Does that make sense? Uh, in uh, Romans... And in Galatians, Paul's going to talk about walk in the Spirit and be led by the Spirit. What's he talking about there? Um, um, what he's talking about uh, is um, Israel is coming in and trying to convince uh, non-believing Jews or trying to convince Gentiles to be circumcised and keep the law for righteousness. Paul's simple argument is, why would you do that? The law fails. The law convicts. The Spirit gives life. So why would you reject the Spirit, reject faith, go back to Old Testament law-keeping, and be condemned to death? That makes no sense. If you began by the Spirit, if you came to faith by the Spirit, if you have the promise of eternal life, through the ministry of the Spirit, then stand firm. Walk. Run. You were running faithfully. Who stopped you from running faithfully? You were standing firm. Why aren't you standing firm anymore? Walk by the Spirit. If you believed and you have eternal life through the ministry of the Spirit. Walk day by day in the imputed righteousness of Christ. If you are led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. You don't need the law to guide you, do you? If your ox is out boring all the people in the town, um, excuse me, what should you do? Pen it up. Well, what if it gets out and doors more people? Kill it. Why? Because I love my neighbor as myself. So you have a dog out biting the neighbor. So, okay, so that was in the law. This was not in the law. Okay, so you have a dog out biting the neighbors. Okay, what do you do? You pen it up. Um, see, what the, what the Spirit is doing See, the law is not an infinite list. Does that make sense? You can't make a list long enough to convict you of all the places where you're in sin. Right? But the Spirit is doing what the law cannot do. So be led by the Spirit. 
Not be led by the Spirit. Do what you want to do for, for yourself at the expense of your brother. Look out for number one. Cause divisions in the body. Anybody been in a church split? Anybody ever heard of a church split? That is grieving the Spirit. Causing dissensions and factions in the body. This is Paul's whole letter to the Corinthians. That's not good. That's no bueno. Is that right? That's no bueno. <laughs> At least me and Jesse speak some of the same Spanglish. <laughs> That's not good. This is not complicated. It's not hard. What we do, though, what we've done is we have made up a bunch of stuff that has nothing to do with anything and then blamed it on the Holy Spirit and claimed that it's in the Bible. Well, that's wrong. Yeah. Um, uh, one of the latest renditions, well, um, um, well it's, it's, it's even in, it's not just in the wackos that are out there in some, you know, you know, the wacko churches. It's in this wacko church. It's among us. Uh, this view that all you need is the Holy Spirit and your little copy of the Bible and your quiet time and you'll be just fine. If what you believe does not apply to all believers in all places, in all times, then it's something but is not Christian. What ways do we misunderstand the ministry of the Holy Spirit in the church? All right. Um, it would be an example of someone you know, saying this is how this, but this is what the Spirit did for me. Give us an example of that, that would be an error. Um, I was reading scripture and the Spirit told me. Oh, yeah. That, like, all, all of that language. Yeah, all of that language. That, as if you're reading the words and God has a private and special only meaning for secret little you in your secret little special reading. Um, I'm, I'm concerned about Todd's example. <laughs> our Bible church had a guy get up on stage and say, I was reading through the qualifications of an elder, um, and I know that some of these I may not fit which had been divorced three times, kind of wrecked with life, uh, but the Holy Spirit told me that I need to be known. <laughs> which two years later, our church split three times, two pastors later. But the Holy Spirit told me. The Holy Spirit called me to be a pastor. No, he didn't. Because that's not the language of the, of the text. Right? <laughs> The Holy Spirit is leading me to divorce my wife. No, it is. No, it's not. No, it's not. I promise you it's not. Why not? Because the Holy Spirit uh, uh, inspired the apostles and prophets to write the Word of God, which is exactly opposite that. Okay? Uh, I, I always say this, and it always offends my little students, bless their heart, but... but, but when I'm at the seminary, I, I'm really not... <laughs> 
uh, yeah, uh, but when I'm at the seminary, I'm really not interested in who's offended or not because, frankly, we don't have time to worry about your feelings because uh, we have 14 weeks uh, and a few years to train you in the truth because you're going to walk out the door and you're either going to edify, build up, and protect churches or you're going to be part of the problem. Right? And so I don't care what you think or what you believe. And I tell them this, right? I say, I don't care what you think. I don't care what you believe. I don't care if you really, really believe it. Nor should you care what I think or what I believe or what I really, really believe. You're not going to stand before the Lord and say, oh, well, Lord, I really think that. And then he's going to go, oh, well, if you really think it, then I guess that's what it, Oh, great. Let's change all of history and creation for your little whimsical views. Hey, Paul, he really believes it, so I guess we'll go with that. This is not how it works. Right? What does the text say? What do the inspired authors, the apostles and prophets say? That's it. It's huge. Right? Um, I, you ever play... Uh, well, go ahead. I can if I can give you a not a million literally hundreds and hundreds of examples of pastors who have told me uh, you know the, the, and this goes under the category of the spirit's leading we changed the definition of be led by the spirit to what color car you're going to buy or what house you're going to buy or what job you're going to take okay um, and this plays out um, in um, in ministry, the, the Lord's leading me to leave this church and go to a bigger church. Almost never have I heard someone say, the Lord's leading me to leave this church and go to a smaller church with less pay. I guess the Holy Spirit's a capitalist. <laughs> um, and then they go to the church um, and uh, they have problems and the church is at the precipice of a church split. And then miraculously, the Holy Spirit's leading me to a different church. Right? And it just goes and goes and goes. Okay? Um, let, let me give you uh, some wonderful... May, this, I hope this is freeing to you. Um, you can go wherever you want and do whatever you want. The Lord can use you as a tractor salesman. This is where you say amen, Brian. Amen. <laughs> uh, the Lord could use you as a judge. Maybe. Well, in theory, someone could be used as a judge. Or as a whatever Mike does. <laughs> you don't have to be a seminary professor to be used by the Lord. Right? Um, you want to go be a missionary? Go be a missionary. I promise you that's not coming from Satan. If you don't want to be a missionary, 
It's okay. You know, there's a great place for you to serve in the body of Christ right here, not as a missionary. Do you know that? I mean, think about it. If everybody was a missionary, then everybody would go somewhere else. <laughs> and everybody from somewhere else would come here. <laughs> and none of us could speak the language that's here because we'd be yeah. there and they would be here. And well, in Acts, when, uh, it struck me one time that when uh, Jesus tells the disciples to take the word to the ends of the earth, well, at that time, we were basically the ends of the earth. Yeah, we're here. We think of it as being the Middle East or China or something. Yeah, no, yeah. Yeah, Brennan is not your Jerusalem. That garbage. Okay. Or not. Uh, the, the the same professor who gave me the this. You know, the most, uh, there's three things that I remember from, from Dr. Bean, three quotes. Okay? The first was, well, one of them, not in any order. The first one was, if what you believe doesn't apply to every believer in every place and every time, then it's something, but it's not Christian. Boy, that helps. Because we tend to think that everybody always had their own copy of the Bible and they could search the internet and Google search and just with it, right? That's never, uh, all of a sudden, if you, if you get rid of Bibles, the church becomes pretty important. Right? And the sound teaching of the church becomes imperative. Right? Second one, uh, the most important thing you'll ever think about is what you think about when you think about God. Because that will affect everything you think about. Right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Uh, the third, uh, we were in a class and um, Girl was asking about. I, I, I'm thinking I want to be a missionary. How do I know? You know, we've got this goofy notion in in the church as if you know somehow there's this only one little perfect plan that God has for your life, and if you don't just follow it to the T, you could miss it, mess up all of God's eternity because you missed it, right? And so she was asking, you know, I want to be a missionary, and how do I know? I'm praying, and then, and then, and And Dr. Pingham said, do you want to be a missionary? She goes, yeah. He said, be a missionary. Go be a missionary. And it sounded, at the, at the time I remember, well, that doesn't sound very spiritual. <laughs> and then he said something I'll never forget. He said, look, if you want to know where your ministry is, just look down. Wherever your feet are, that's where your ministry is. It's the most profound thing I heard in seminary. That was worth 60 grand of money when I went, you know. Your ministry is where your feet are. You know, so when you walk out the door, your ministry is going to go with you. And when you go home with your wife or your husband, that's where your ministry is. And then with your kids, that's where your ministry is. And then you go eat at lunch today. Uh, and that waitress or waiter, that's where your ministry is. Okay. This isn't hard. Not complicated. What does your ministry look like when you go to that place? Um, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your strength, and... Any questions? Ready, break. Go do it. This isn't complicated. Can you speak to the concept of the opening door and the closing doors? What is that? I, 
I don't know. I mean, I, I promise you, God is still sovereign. Right? Um, you're not going to mess up God's perfect plan of history. You want to buy an orange car? Go for it. It could be. See, here's the difference. Um, when we're reading the scriptures, um, you're not reading about average Joe on the street. You're reading about the apostles and prophets or the king. Okay. Um, did all of God's plan rest on Abraham? Yes. And then Isaac. The carrier of the promise was Isaac. Everybody else, the plan will be just, but Isaac, big deal. So the Lord's going, you know what, Isaac, you're not messing this plan up. So the Lord says, no, we're going here. <laughs> okay. And you're going to marry, no, 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 sir. I'll wait till you figure this out. You're going to figure it out, right? And then Jacob. Holy smokes, Jacob's a mess. He's like me and Mike. I mean, there's a lot of work to do there, right? <laughs> and, and, and the Lord's going to drag him along and these sons along and all the, you know. Uh, and, and so um, David, protected from in, in it, yes. Like he's carried the promise. And so when you're reading about Paul, Paul is unique, is he not? Chosen as the apostle to the Gentiles. Do you think God's going to make sure that goes well? Yes. Is the ministry to the Gentiles dependent upon Klingla? No. <laughs> it's in spite of Klingla. Almost always. <laughs> you with me? Okay. So I think that we have stressed out over somehow you're going to miss God's perfect plan for your life if you just don't nail it just right. Well, it's, it's very restricting, right? And so if I don't have my personal quiet time every day, if I don't read my Bible every day, if I don't do this and that, and, and you create this new list of things so that you don't miss God's plan for your life, I'm going, you know what God's plan for your life is? It doesn't matter if you've got a red car, a blue car, a green car, uh, uh, in a bus with Gus over there, over here. You know, it doesn't matter. Here's his perfect plan for you. Ready? Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your strength. And if you're doing that, you can do it here or there or anywhere. In a hole, with a mole, in a fox, in a box, in a bus, with Gus, whatever. Doesn't matter. Wherever your feet are. <laughs> That's good. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so I think because we stress out over where we're we going, I think this is what Jeff Bean was saying. We stress over to where we're going, we forget where we are. The only thing that you have guaranteed to you is right now. Right now. 
You can't control tomorrow. You can't control you walk out there and some idiot comes flying by and hits you. You can't control that. You can control now. Respond to the Lord now. That's it. That help with the Holy Spirit. Right? This is not a restricting, I've got to pray to write, I've got to say the right prayers, i got to do, no, no, you're okay. Good. Uh, prayer and the Spirit. Prayer, prayer and the Spirit. Um, what, what is the relationship between prayer with the believer and the Spirit? Um, well, I can go to the Word. Jesus says, when you pray, don't pray like the Gentiles. Right? With your long prayers. Many words. Don't pray like the Pharisees. In front of people. Here's what you do. You go in private. Look. The Lord knows what you need before you even pray it. Right? Doesn't Jesus say this? So. Uh, present your petition before the Lord. He knows. He's faithful. I also find it interesting that almost never in the New Testament does Paul or Peter or James, any of them ever say, pray for yourself. But to pray for what? Pray for one another. So when you pray, Yeah, well, yeah, right, isn't it? Praying for yourself is selfish. Um, well, uh, here's my prayer. Well, I, um, I don't know. I don't. I really don't know. I mean. I'm going to go past what I what the scriptures say to my little logic track, okay? Um, Lord, heal me from, you know, heal me from whatever. Then what? Um, I think that our focus is on future stuff rather than the present. I tell you, when stuff hits your life, you get real focused on the present, don't you? Um, I don't know. If he heals you of cancer, then you're going to get heart disease. If he heals you of heart disease, then you're going to get Alzheimer's and you get all after Alzheimer's. You know, look, I don't want anybody changing my diapers and wiping drool. Just take me out behind the barn and end it. Well, you're not ending it, okay? So you can't end it. Yeah. He also told his disciples to pray for him, and they're over there sleeping. So in light of their failure, I guess he had to pray for himself. But if we pray for one another, I'm not saying don't pray for your circumstances to yourself. I, there's, uh, but that's about all we pray for. Yes, sir. Yeah. Yeah. 
you can't mess it up, I promise you. I've tried. And other people have tried worse. You're not going to mess it up. I had uh, another professor. Um, when you're around these guys that have and folks who've studied the Bible their whole life, and then you ask them why you're doing it, and they're, they may point to the scriptures, you go, oh, see, because we're kind of taught some things in the church that don't actually line up with the scriptures. Um, I think we pray, and this is what one of these professors, uh, Ken Hanna, taught me. We pray for a lot of stuff that you shouldn't pray for. You don't have to pray for that. Uh, Lord, help my brother in need. Um, is it within your means to help your brother? Well, yeah. Then why are you praying for it? Just do it. Now, that's exactly right. If it's out of our control. Right. So, it, so if if you if if it is within your power to help your brother, to love your brother, don't do it. If it is outside of your power, praise the Lord. Will he answer your prayers? Will he answer positive? Maybe. Maybe not. Yeah. Lord, you're running the joint. And I know that you know what you're doing. And I know you know what's best for us. So I'm going to trust you in there. But this is El Stinko. <laughs> Sure. You could, you, know, you could almost pray um, every time something like, um, let me think, Our Father, who art in heaven, <laughs> hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Forgive us this day of trespasses. As we forgive those who trespass against us, and lead us not into temptation. Deliver us from evil. What absolutely is? Um, the prayers have a life span. Yeah. I don't know which which part of. Are you mustering up these prayers on yourself? Well, sometimes you can come up with your own stuff and own selfish stuff. But if the Spirit moves you to pray for your brother who's in need, that's not you're not coming up with that on your own, right? And so the Spirit, so the so the Spirit moves you to pray, and you pray, and then the Father honors the prayer of the saint as he was moved by the Spirit, who cares for the one in the body of Christ, and somehow the Trinity is at work. In the body of Christ through your prayers. Good as I can. Write a book. The last book. The last book. And you will make billions of dollars and all be blessed. Be blessed. You're going to take the Bible and rewrite it in a manner of how you teach the Bible. Simple. Where people say, when you talk about branches, or you talk about sheep, and you're really not talking about sheep, and you're not talking about branches, all these types of issues. And then we sit here and I listen, and 
if you ask them a question, you get five different answers. Mm -hmm. Because people are still confused how what's written in the book mm -hmm. and translated differently. Right. Just from your own yep. makeup. Yep. If somebody would just simply clean it up and clean <laughs> it it would be read by millions um, of people. Um, let's, it let's, would be a gift for God. Well, let me, let me respond this way. Um, um, the only um, <laughs> horse training analogy, ready, Mike? The only fast way to train a horse is slowly. Right? And so um, until next week, here's what I want you to do. You ready? Here's your marching orders. Love the Lord your God. Love your heart. Love your soul. With all your might and... Like your as yourself. Don't forget your ministry or your feet are. Let's do that for a week. A lot of stuff will come in line. It'll start to fix itself. And we'll learn more as we go. That's been tried about 1.2 million times. Yeah. yeah. But let me pray for us. We're done. Lord, thanks for our time. Um, we do thank you for the ministry of the Holy Spirit that works in the body of Christ to, to, convict, to convict us of our sins, to convince us of the person of Christ. We thank you uh, for your gift to the church, of the apostles and prophets who have given to the church your word. Thank you for faithful teachers and pastors and evangelists who share the gospel, who teach the word. Uh, Lord, um, help us to live uh, our lives in a manner worthy of the gospel, uh, to love one another, and as we love one another, let the world know uh, that, uh, that we are your disciples. So that's our prayer, it's simple. Very difficult to carry out, but simple prayer in Christ's name. Amen. Thanks guys, have a great week. Next week we 